When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. I'm so scared. (laughs) Yeah. How did you make my lights turn yes. off at the exact moment that the voice came on? He's, uh, we barely started, and he's already shivering in his sandals. Hey, everybody. Say what happened in their extra pair of underwear. <laughs> we don't wear underwear on this show. Not on this show. No. I read uh, the email, McMills. I read the email. Yeah, we're full commando. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. I almost left I some... Waiting for I was waiting else. for someone else to say it. I forgot which part of the intro I was in. With me always is your other host... Bryce Johnson. And our super producer... Riley Bray. There All you right. go. There we go. Our guest today is a Broadway performer, singer, dancer, actor, and star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Damn. playing the role of Josh Chan, uh, the reluctant and lovelorn ex of Rachel Bloom's Rebecca Bunch. He is currently filming season two of Insatiable for Netflix. Ladies and gentlemen, please, finally, welcome to the show, Vincent Rodriguez the Third. All three of you can sit down. It's fine. It's <laughs> but thank hey, you. I appreciate it. Hey, Vinny. That. Welcome to the show. What up, McMills? I've been saving you for a very special week, which is uh, this week uh, on Friday is the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend finale. Wow. We just got two days to. Oh God! He's go- oh God! I forgot. Vinny's the Vinny. You joke, but but he is the one who will be. He and Rachel are the first yeah. to cry. Wow! I mean, it's all we're all we've all cried. We've all we're all gonna miss the show. Oh, but it's, uh, it's yeah. yeah, we have our big finale on Friday, followed by the live and concert mm-hmm. special. So it's mm-hmm. a big night for Crazy Ex Girlfriend. So happy Huge. to have Josh Chan on the show. What's up, dude? For our big uh, finale week for Crazy X, yeah. and we have a lot of Crazy X fans who listen to the podcast. Podcast. Oh, cool! So I know that they are thrilled that you are finally. I feel like I'm saving Vinny for Aww, for a big week. Thanks, McMillan. Yeah, man. Hey, fans. so welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. This yeah, is so cool. Yeah, are you sorry yeah. to? Are you sorry to say sad to say goodbye to the show? I mean, you're already moving on to the next job. It's fine. Yeah, that, that helps. <laughs> yeah. That always helps. Yeah, that was that was weird. It was it was in my it was in my goals. Like I don't know. Almost a year ago, I made the goal like, okay, I, I know this is going to be hard, so I'm going to prepare myself spiritually, mentally, physically for the ending of this su- this era in my life. And so I was I was been listening to YouTube videos, inspirational videos. I've been transforming my body, and that all kind of I have too, but just in the other direction. It's just getting softer. <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop it, stop it. But um, but yeah, all my physical goals kind of translated to like you know. Tri- 
kind of preparing my mind and 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 my heart and and the show means so much to me and whenever i'm i'm with the cast and the creatives on crazy ex girlfriend i feel just like the luckiest guy in the world That's um, great. even even when we were in the dressing room for the live special that was magic to me and yeah. something so special and something that i feel like because of my history doing theater in new york for so long and doing national tours and regional theater and and being just a little chorus boy for so many years of my of my career like i really could appreciate what it meant to be in sharing a dressing room with these amazingly talented dudes. Yeah, so it's such it, a special show in that way yeah. that like first of all you get to see lots of naked men and that's fun. That's no, fun. But that's uh nice. but it's one of the it is it is like what other show in in Hollywood like a TV show where you actually do get to kind of cross the threshold into mm-hmm. the theater world like the way that we've been able to on this show That's is amazing. so yeah. so cool and yeah. those really live shows those, at the Orpheum then uh, you'll see it Friday night was so special yeah they yeah. just they just locked it in and we got a text in the text chain and I was like just I just had a moment I, I mean, I had already processed a lot of this ahead of time, but I had a moment for them, for like Aline and Kabir, our I main award winning editor who, who who helped edit it, and, and Jack Dolgen, who's one of our, writer, uh, our, our writers, directors, exec, uh, executive producers, and, and Rachel's songwriting partner of like seven years. And, and Rachel was just like, I feel like my friend Rebecca is passed away and I have to mourn her now because that's it, that we're done editing our show, like our baby, our story. And I just... Had to just take a moment for myself. I mean, I had my own moment. So um, I don't know. I don't think I told you this. Um, when you got the four eighteen script, was it a hard copy or was it like a? Did you get an email and read it? I got an email. Uh, actually, okay. I didn't get. I actually didn't get it until the table read. Oh, for four seventeen. Yeah, or, yeah. For four seventeen. Four seventeen. Because because four eighteen live special. Show. So for four seventeen, I had the script for days, and I had it on my dining table, and I and I knew. I have to read that at some point before we start filming it so I understand what's happening. And I remember we got home late from filming 416 and I, my husband had um, uh, – he, he left that day or that morning and I was alone and it was like 8, eight 9 o'clock at night and I just uh, – I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it tonight. If I don't, I, I don't have time to process this. Whatever's going to happen to me, I don't have time to deal with it after tonight. <laughs> I can't deal with this I right can't now. Can't just deal with it. But but no, I can't deal with it right now. So I'm going to deal yeah, with yeah, it yeah. right now. So I sat down and I read it. And I and I read. I'm already a slow reader, but I I re- on purpose reread pages. I on purpose slowed down what I was reading. I on purpose. Really took the time really to savor took it. Took the time to savor it, and then I, I remember seeing the last line of the show, which was told to me five years ago via Skype by Aline Brosh McKenna and Rachel Bloom. No way. I remember when they told they told me how this whole show was yeah. going to end, and there it was. And then right after that, I saw it said end of episode, and I was inconsolable for about ten minutes. Ah, uh. I had I went through waves of emotion and sob and crying and crying that like. Past lives were coming up, like <laughs> really five year old. Like I heard a five year old crying. I heard a ten year old crying. I heard a kid crying, like he lost his mommy. Really, and he was like, like I listened. I, I I'm fairly spiritual, and and my, yeah. my my watcher in my brain was watching me go through this and letting, right. and then and my actual body was just not fighting anything. I was just working so hard to just let to like let let the way throw me. Yeah, you know, and um, and I did, and it was really cathartic, 
and it made me realize how much the show means to me and how much all of you guys mean to me and how you're really going to be with me forever. And and now the fans are also um, responding on Instagram because I've posted some, you know, vids and 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 uh, the TV Guide magazine spread that came out. Oh yeah, that was really scenes. cool. Yeah, I'm really gl- I'm so honored that Jim Halterman at TV Guide magazine asked me to do it, and he gave me a camera, and he gave me like a cam- Canon camera, and I actually have this camera. I got it in Tokyo, Japan, of all places, like years ago when I was on the Xanadu tour. And uh-huh. but here's like a recent version of it, and I'm like, I know exactly how to use this camera. I used to own one of these, and he, they were like take as many photos as you can of the series uh, of the final episodes like behind the scenes what you do and like how you prepare like everything and then we'll pick and just but we want it to be specific to this episode and just for us so that no one else will see these photos except for us and i'm like okay cool and it was really hard to do yeah it was weird you're like only but... pictures of you yeah. <laughs> Bryce, like, this is Bryce, so hard it started that way they're like it why are all these mirror these are, selfies these in here Vinny? Uh, yeah. i mean you look great with your shirt off but Bye. we're kind of hoping it would branch out beyond your trailer <laughs> i definitely started there for sure like, i was like just a warm up i'm just gonna get these out of the way <laughs> warm it up. i'm gonna slide these up front uh, uh, yeah that's no but i mean it's so great that like in uh, i was telling the guys before we started that you did take a lot of some of my favorite photos of the show and like you know that you're all like i'm so bad at remembering to take pictures and so it's always great to um, it's always good if you have someone in the team that's just like yeah i you, you know i got it covered. all like i got it totally covered and then you're like thank god someone took these pictures totally. because we do when once it's done you want them you, you know right them. so Where, did you see the, the, the get the email about the rap gift I did, yes. Yeah, Thank seven, you. Seventeen hundred photos. Wow! From well, my I thought you were going to say dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what, Vinny? You thank you. That will go a long way in my own employment. Now that everyone, here is your rap gift: seventeen hundred dollars. Yeah. So I want to talk about your personal paranormal history, and before we get into it, I want to touch on something that you said about being spiritual and that watcher in the brain watching. Mm-hmm. When you have a moment like that, and I think we all have had those emotional moments where you're almost like you're so in your body, but at the same time you're outside of yourself kind of looking in you know what i mean uh what what do you think in a spiritual sense is happening in an emotional moment like that what when you you say you're connecting with past lives or past selves or maybe yourself at a younger moment in your life like what do you if you're using your imagination what do you think is actually happening in that moment if you had to analyze it i don't want to i mean like define consciousness yeah define (laughs) god well (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. you're in the right place and five minutes later he passed out uh um i think it reminds me of if any of you have seen captain marvel i have there's a scene where she is remembering it's in the commercial uh where she is remembering her past and it and we had seen clips of this character's history of childhood and, 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 and adulthood and um, going through these struggles in their life. And one of my one, and this ties into one of my favorite things about Marvel or about comic books in general. And we and are had, big comic book nerds right. on this podcast. Well, so you're I mean, in a good spot. dude, like with great power comes great responsibility. And I remember when I saw that Spider Man movie, I remember where I was and I remember how hard it hit me because I realized this movie wasn't about like a web slinging kid with powers getting bitten by a spider this was about like these were like the powerful stories of how i'm gonna it's like reading like for some like the bible it's like you're learning all this morale and it's like the ten commandments you're learning like 
don't be a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Honor yeah. thy neighbor. And then in this case, it's like, well, you're a young kid and you're not ready for this power, but you have it now. With great power comes great responsibility. And with responsibility comes great power. So, so along those lines, watching Captain Marvel recall all these moments in their life that, that were like struggles. And then in this one moment in the movie, all, all we see is those moments. We go back to those moments, but it's the moments she stood up. Right. That she got back up and they and they played back each of those time periods, that character standing up and that just shook me. Yeah. And um and I think that's the best way I can describe it is where it's it's like well, it's almost like all those moments that you go through in your life where you feel like you've struggled yep. and then you have this moment where you you know a, str- a profound emotional moment a, a profound and in this case I think is also was a profound accomplishment here you had you're finishing your work on this yeah. character or finishing a work uh, finishing any work you know is a profound accomplishment it almost seems to tie back to all those moments in our lives where where we did struggle or where we worked really hard and it's that payoff of like man I ran all those miles but now I did, you know now yeah, i right. did it and this is the the culmination of that is like this moment so for me it was like all that's where that's where the sobbing was coming from it was it was from it was it was a morning of this is the end but also like for me personally um like all this like emotional baggage or stuff i hadn't processed uh-huh. yet and now all that came up because there's the lids off so now it's just like right. boiling point <laughs> right, you know right, right, no right, right, no right. splash guard bro yeah yeah, yeah. you're like just this out. is we're just going to let this <laughs> boil over right now like right now so that's so it was, so in in that way that's the best way i can describe it because i just remembered being um kind of in just disarray i i I, like consciousness i was only so conscious about it (laughs) but yeah but those uh, are the moments you gotta let go you know you just kind of have to let go and let yourself feel and let let yourself experience those i think too time too often we're trying to be like ah don't cry don't do this don't you know control 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 it to be able to be able to just like feel something and let something channel through you i think is like those are really this is a really important thing to have because now you're able to like recognize that yeah as a moment and i think oftentimes when we finish things or end things or go through even good things we often don't take the time the moment to acknowledge you know that that happened or that this good good or bad don't don't you think well i was just thinking that like i never finish things so i I can never get to those emotional points (laughs) (laughs) i'm like like, and that explains a lot actually (laughs) yeah that's not true i'm ruminating on a lot i gotta finish things you finish a podcast episode every week yeah that's true and we always spend five minutes in the car crying afterwards so it's fine The other thing that I really liked that you said earlier, Vinny, was, and that's been kind of a theme, we've been really kind of talking about, like, uh, the occult and magic Mm -hmm. a little bit here lately on the podcast. I'm a magician. Does that count? Uh, Yeah, yeah, in a a sense, absolutely. But the idea of going, I set a goal, I'm doing this, you know, and to reach that, that really is in itself an act of magic in the sense that you're you're looking out into the universe and you're saying, I'm going to will something that is unmanifested into the physical manifest. And that is when we talk about magic, when we talk about, you know, magic with a K, magic, you know, chaos magic or spiritualism or whatever, being able to to do that is to be able to accomplish that goal, something that is an idea that doesn't exist, whether it's like, I want to get this job or I want to like get into shape or I want, you know, whatever it is, I have this goal that I'm setting for myself. Uh, 
that is that is that is like the will of the magician in in a sense, and that's I love I love that, and so this has turned out to be a uh, a uh, a secret secretly uh, motivational episode, and I'm digging it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, well, yeah. but that, but, that but, but but that's what's funny is that there I think there is like a, kind of a connection to it because because there's. People can focus on what they choose to focus on, but what we're talking about is like your ability to actually think of something and then actually make it real. And as exactly. a magi- as a magician, because uh, we were just talking about it today at brunch, because um, they were talking about this magician. Who's oh, awesome. magicians brunch, magicians brunch. McMills, <laughs> um, didn't I tell you? Uh, um, why haven't I been invited to magicians brunch? <laughs> no, no, different. Magic. You didn't get the you, you, you didn't get the group text. Uh, sorry, I'll check that. I must out. not be on that thread. <laughs> um, but we were talking about um, a magician, and they were and they were complimenting his ability to do this really cool effect, and how you th- once you thought it was what it, you know it was done a certain way, they he would do something that would lead you to believe. There was no way he could do it that way. You that in that way that you're thinking, and I'm just smiling, nodding my head, very calmly, going, "That's our job. Like as a magician, totally. I have to. I I know what the end result is, and then if if I don't know how to do it, I start with the end, and then I work backwards. And then if I don't like the end, or if I want to punch the end, I imagine this is what's writing. What writing is like, because to me, writing is the is the best magic. You take a blank page. And you create a world. In one page, you can create a universe. Like Star Trek was a blank page. Yeah. And then they created Spock or like the Starship Enterprise. Someone described it on a paper and then some dude doodled it. Yeah. Like, and yeah. then like, bam, done. Um, so as a magician, like, oh, I know that ending. That's cool. But you know what else would be cool if I did this three more times, three different ways, and then they lost their shit. And then I did this. How did I do that? And I start at the end and I work backwards. Right. And then I literally plot and plan it like a script or like a joke. Right. You one, two, three. I, that's how I set it up. So like some, some of my coolest magic effects when I'm performing for people and I got the deck of cards, it's, it's, some of it is by accident because it's off the cuff or there was a mistake and I have to cover it. But there are some effects that like, no, I actually, you guys, this is plotted. Like you, uh, this is where you think I've messed up. And actually that's, that's that's also, that's, Mm. that's theater. That's improv. That's life. Like you fumble your way through it sometimes and it doesn't matter. It's just how you land it. You know what I mean? If it works, it works. Even if you kind of fuck up on your way there, you know what I mean? If you pull off the trick, you pull off the trick. It doesn't matter how you do it. You know, I so I like this. Yeah, in terms of working backwards, would you say that if um, I wanted to be in a Star Wars film but didn't know how to get there, I should just go to set, right? Yeah. Should just yeah. show up on set. You literally just, knock just on the go door there in a Jedi <laughs> yeah, costume. Okay, cool. And a and your makeup case. Yeah, and I'll figure out how I got there and how but, I got that role. Did right? I ever tell you about the time I I gave myself the role of Anakin Skywalker high on mushrooms? <laughs> I think yeah. you did, but we <laughs> should hear it again. We need to hear this again because I don't know if it was on. On the Wait other side or if it was on the main no. feed rice go yeah so go, i was uh, doing mushrooms with my best friend johnny <laughs> in my in our apartment and uh i had just gotten back from the audition not too long ago for anakin skywalker it was in a hotel room there was no script and all they did was like tell us about your childhood and ask you to take your clothes off no yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I, so I immediately like... ripped him off <laughs> and uh no i told the story i told the the lady the story about how always in a wishing well because i love doing wishing wells i would always wish for like a real lightsaber 
Yeah. And uh, anyway, but uh, so I was doing mushrooms in my apartment. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> that transition all, was the best. First, that transition. First of all, <laughs> I like that you were visiting wishing wells on a frequent basis, <laughs> yeah. well, and then always wishing for a lightsaber. Yeah. Like I love that the magical antique relic is going to give you some some futuristic style <laughs> while while still well, set in the past. Me and my Weapon. older brother would always have lightsaber fights, and usually they were with the uh, you know wrapping paper with just that pla- that cardboard tube. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, I wanted a real one to strike my brother down um, <laughs> sounds like anakin. yeah <laughs> very anakin like the empire so, yeah but so i'm in my apartment high on mushrooms and um and i remember just looking at my friend i go you know what and he's like what i just gave myself the part <laughs> just now just now i'm anakin skywalker and he's like dude congratulations <laughs> but i was like i swear to god i felt the emotions of actually uh. having it and for me, it was like, it was, I got to experience like what it was like to have actually gotten the part. Cause like I was totally emotionally invested. I believed it on a fucking physical yeah. level. And I was like, dude, I'm Anakin. And he's like, yes, dude. You were so good in that role. And I was like, what? Woo. And then I, you know, sobered up and I was like, fuck, I wonder if I'll get that. <laughs> but uh, for a minute there, I actually had it. It was pretty sweet. That I, is that thing we're talking about, though. It's the peak moment. Like you have to allow yourself the peaks. It's not always, oh, yeah. not always analysis time. No, you know, you, no. They have the peak and then you can digest it later. Yeah. The irony is that, oh God, this is going to sound so geeky, but this is the time to do it, right? Okay. So I actually believe in that to a certain degree. Oh, that's, sure. That's sure, actually, sure. That's actually how I got here. Yeah. Like some people are like, so how did you, like, dare we get this McMills? So yeah, how did you, how'd you get it? And you're like, I auditioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they, ex- well, I don't know what they expect you to say. Well, there's no one way, right? I mean, that's you know? the thing. If there was a way in the creative industry, like the oh God, I don't know, whatever that fucking for, but like yeah, if, yeah. for for artists, musicians, actors, so like if there was, well, you do X, Y, Z, and then you get the part, then everyone would be doing it. Right. Everyone would be magic, successful. The magic. Yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, <laughs> it is taking a certain amount of willpower and willing. The um, I was just having this conversation last night about just sort of being like, I, I tend to think the more specific you are about wanting something and wanting a certain role the, or, you know, if it is, you know, I, look, there's no guarantees to this stuff. But I do think that, you know, I remember before I was on True Blood, uh, you know, it was like I had I had a narrow miss getting cast on Six Feet Under when I first moved out here and it read for Alan Ball. And then uh, Ben Foster got the part. And then five years passed. And during those five years, when anyone would ask me, okay, well, what do you want to do? What's the mm-hmm. job you want? I would say, I want to be on an HBO show created by Alan Ball. Because I, I loved Six Feet Under. And yeah. I was like, I remember wanting that role so badly, missing it, getting over it, and then yeah. moving on. But just having like, okay, I didn't get this one, but I'll get one. Mm-hmm. And then I... Um, it was a random thing. I had uh, my friend had randomly sent me the breakdowns that day, and I had seen on the breakdowns the role for Steve Newland on True Blood, and it was like it's going to be a small part in season one, but a large recurring in season two. And I remember going, "That's it. That's the one. That's the one." Bullshit, and I and it was dude. like yesterday's breakdowns, you know. Yeah. And I called my manager and I said, I got to go in for this. And she was like, okay, well, I know they're seeing people already. Let me call casting. Casting's like, no, he's not right for it. And she's like, I'm getting a little pushback. I go, this is it. I've got 
to audition for this one. That's I, wild. Yep. And it was even like there. I was like twenty. Fight, I was like twenty nine, maybe thirty at the time, and they were like looking for someone in their forties. So I knew, hmm. but I was like, it's I. I was like, I gotta get in this room. Yep. And so my managers and agents pushed. I came in. Um, everyone was kind of older than me. I came in, I read it, and Alan Ball was like, okay, do it again. I really like that. Just do it again and smile the whole time. And I did that, and he was like... And he was like, great. And it was one of those where I'd, I'd, I'd prepped for it by reading the, you know, reading the chapters and the book. So I recognized the scene from the chapter and the book it was from. And I was just all quietly. I wasn't wearing any of that on my sleeve. I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to prep for this. Yeah. And I remember like going for a hike after that and sitting and meditating like near Griffith Park. And I was like, that is my role. I'm going to get it. And I walked down the hill and I got <sighs> in my car. And as soon as I got in my car, I got a phone call. And they're like, it's yours. Wow, you got the part. Fuck. And yes. it was one of those. Look, that does oh, not God. happen all the time. Yeah. It doesn't happen all the time, obviously. But right. it was one of those where... I think the I do honestly believe that that specific intention and the what I w- when I could go this is what I want this is what I, I want to do right. at the very least kind of lined me up to notice in the breakdown that part when nobody else had for me and I was like that's it that's that's the thing I've been asking for this is my opportunity you know it takes that though that's the thing that um because what you were saying is that um that moment you were describing so awesomely it was, was so Anakin. Yeah. yeah when you were Anakin Bryce <laughs> it's 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 so it's so funny great but, job by the way great job yeah. in the parallel universe yeah. where you're in Attack of the Clones <laughs> by the way I would like to say you, you would have been a better choice but <laughs> Well, I was about to talk about the shadow side of, of the law of manifestation. Dude, and, I have been and, so into the shadow self shit right now by Carl Jung. Yeah. Like, the whole... Dude, I am so into this I right mean, now. I would rem- I, you would be remiss not to talk about what, what can happen is, like, you know, it works both ways, really. The, the universe doesn't have, you know, doesn't really consist of good or bad. It's just, you know... Um, it's positive and negative forces, and 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 so I can get, I can go through moments in my life where I can I can be really depressed or something, and I can get really, and I'm very aware of the powers of manifestation, and 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 it seems to be sometimes a downward spiral is like you get this anxiety, you're like, and all you can see is your future, like it, it, like you know broke and out and in and, and yeah scared yeah like, yeah and and you really be like and the 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 crappy thing about that is you're like god am i like manifesting this future for myself right, right now yeah and it's 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 a terribly um it's just it's a real it can become a really dark place because you so often think about and it feels so real to you, like for instance, especially as as actors, you're like, "I'll never work again. I'm gonna go broke. I'm gonna lose this. I'm gonna lose that." And then it becomes so real to you, and then you have to really do the work to try and pull yourself out of it because because listen, you're like, "God, I'm aware that I can manifest good things in my life, so I have to be really careful about not manifesting this shadow side to this." To these things as well, you know. Well, that's so. Two things come to mind. One's comic book related, which is with great power comes great responsibility. So if you are the one in charge of your life and of your creativity, which you are, well, well, that you are. So you can choose a different thought. How it affects you. That's that's the thing. Is that and then and then it goes back to whatever whatever you your belief is on mental technology. So um, uh, your emotions are chemicals. Like when you're happy, that's dopamine or endorphins or what have you um and then it's the idea of are those thoughts you're having are those you Mm. 
And if they're not you, who is you? Yeah. Which is why I said Watcher. So I've been listening to Michael Beckwith and Wayne, D- Wayne Dwyer. Dyer. Mm-hmm. Wayne. So, and then they bring up the idea that it, when you have negative thoughts, they're like, well, because there's this uh, belief that like your thoughts are you or um, more specifically, if you if any of you prescribe to um, messages from the universe or no- notes from the universe, it's thoughts become things choose the good ones what i love about that it's thoughts become things not you are the thoughts Mm -hmm. so i come from a place and this is um you know shared by others but like my 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 thoughts aren't me they're just things that happen because we're alive and we have we get we're afraid so when you're afraid it spirals more negative thoughts happen have they happened yet no are you the fortune teller and those are going to happen no, those are just ideas that you created yeah. in your head. So what are they? And so I like to think of them as the easiest way to, 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 that, to, to describe them are like clouds. They pass through and they go, you can't stop the cloud from being there, but just let it pass. Like, oh, that's a negative thought. Whoa, that's really scary. All that, oh, this is a dark storm in front of me. That's scary. But they're p- clouds and they pass. Now, if, if, if you're looking at the clouds and those are the thoughts that you're having, then who are then who are you? And mm-hmm. that's, you're the watcher. So, so by, by that, by defining it in that way, now it's like, well, then my thoughts, well, then all that darkness I just thought of, those aren't me. Those are just ideas I had and that would make a great comic book. I can write right. that down. You know what I mean? That's where I think people get their sources of stories and, and why we have really cool, um, you know, I, I, I assume like people who have written great screenplays or plays or, or movies or TV shows uh, wrote things in a very dark place like Breaking Bad or even Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, and it's just I, I think that's a healthy way of looking at it and kind of keeping in mind how you define yourself and your ability to compartmentalize or separate yourself from the dark thoughts you're having or the happy thoughts you're having. And remember, like, because even happy thoughts like they pass, like nothing lasts forever. Um, what is that? Avenue Q, Bobby Lopez, everything. Everything in life is only for now, and, and except for death and paying taxes, everything in life is only for now. Yeah. Life may be scary, but it's only temporary. That's great. So it's like so. The, so that's kind of how I keep my mind in in check and, and differentiate things. But I think it, there, there there is I don't know if you want to call it paranormal, but there is something kind of magical about that idea. Like, wait a minute, did I do that? You know, and I think um, and when you're saying McMill's about how well you you put in the work, I put in the work. Um, you're you're a co-creator right in your life so because because people say like oh it's like talent and then luck well the well <laughs> well the talent's you the luck is something else that we can't i always define luck as preparation meeting opportunity that's good. well the yeah, preparation like that. but that's great so bryce preparation is us opportunity is like happenstance or mcmill's seeing the breakdown me meeting a trainer who train superheroes yeah, right. <laughs> and then going i want to be one and then a year and a half later i'm on page 32 of muscle fitness magazine and i'm kicking my face yeah and it's and like what? You're, you're much closer to being cast in a superhero than you would be if you didn't put in all that work right but in the beginning but but i'll tell you man years ago i wouldn't have believed you for a second that that was possible it yeah. would have been like a pipe dream and then um but now it's like oh so i can't necessarily make it happen but i can do all i can do what i can to like see if it's possible yeah and that's what i did and then uh, some uh, some of these other opportunities uh, arose and and you know i'm not starring in anything uh, i'm not an action superstar or anything right now but i'll tell you this i've met a lot of people who choreograph for action movies 
I've met stuntmen, I've met action actors, I've met trainers, I've met tactical military specialists, and I'm working with all of them right now. You're basically a one-man army now. <laughs> yeah. And, You're uh, a killing well, machine. <laughs> well, I'm teaching. Well, Sweet. Well, I, and, 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 and I just danced in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I, oh, by the way, if you guys have not seen Vinny dance, he is... He he can go from right on his feet. Oh man, he can go from a graceful Gene Kelly dance straight into like a martial arts display, like you would not believe. The dude is included. I mean, you've always had whatever this talent is. You've always clearly had it in you because even if you weren't superhero built, you were right. still as graceful as as a superhero and you still had those those moves so. right but that was the irony is that i was i had all those in my wheelhouse but i never had the body to kind of match it until a like like when i did fit hot guys last season right and all of a sudden it's like oh my waist is small and like nothing gets uh actors into faster shape than being told they have a shirtless scene uh, or a song and dance number where they talk about how fit and hot they are because i remember all three of you well david hole i don't know as much but yeah. like scott and i know scott was like i'm not eating this this and this for like a month yeah dude it was rough and then for me there she because because they got to be in underwear because their characters were stripping down from normal from pedestrian clothing <clears throat> me my character josh was was a go-go boy so aline was like how do you feel about being in a speedo dancing on a box <laughs> yeah and i went are you referring to those three months i spent in p-town <laughs> take me out she was like what are you talking about oh i was like God. i was a go-go boy in provincetown massachusetts while i was doing the play take me out she was like i had no idea that was the case i was like well you, you just play, wrote take me out yeah i was in the play take me out cool Wait a minute! Did you guys know each other? Where, where, Wait, where? take your pants off! I know. <laughs> oh, oh, Bryce shit. Johnson! Oh my god! Oh, Johnson! We called you Bryce Johnson, the Johnson Johnson. <laughs> I wish that was the case. That, Me god, too. That is wild. I wonder if we're in the. That's weird. We'll have to yeah, talk about I play, that later. I, I played Takeshi Kawabata. So, but like, so art imitates life. And then when Aline had me do the bartending thing, I was like, "Well, I'm a bartender. Like, but can you do flair?" I'm like, "How long do I have?" She was like, two weeks." I'm like, "I'll learn it." Well, and I did, great. but it, uh, yeah. So I mean, t- gosh, I think we could all use a little bit of your willpower, Vinny. Yeah. I am constantly I remember, impressed. I got, a, I got a shirtless scene, and I was like, I'm just gonna do hydroxy cut. <laughs> I got, I got. We really, had a hot tub scene together. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. That's in right. uh, Major Crimes. Oh yeah. You look good in a in like a a, a g string. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate way, that. Oh yeah. Remember, I wanted to walk out naked. I was yeah. like, let me do a take where I just walk out with nothing on. And then, like, okay, like um, pixelize that. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember I took got a nice ass. Cut for like He's three got a nice weeks. ass. I got really <laughs> aggro, and it, uh, yeah, it made me almost crap myself on set. But that's a again, different story. Again, <laughs> another <laughs> another piece from Bryce's history. Yeah. That, uh, all right, we. Yes. I, this is such a great. I want to. I I love all this, and I think it's a great. Your ass is a great moment to. <laughs> Thank you. To uh, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, it's time for. Bullshit or believe it with our guest. Can't wait. Vinny Rodriguez. Woo! Okay, Vinny. So it's time for Bullshit or Believe It. Nice. We just worked that one out. This is a uh, rapid fire game where I'm going to go down a list of different uh, paranormal oh, no. subjects, uh-huh, uh-huh. and you're gonna. It's it, you know some of these you're gonna feel a little in between on, okay. but you have to choose. Believe it if you're open to it, uh-huh. or bullshit if you're not. Roger that. Okay. On your mark. Mm. Get set. Mm-hmm. Ghosts. <gasps> go. Ghosts. <laughs> believe it. 
UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Angels. Believe it. Gnomes. Bullshit. Fairies. Bullshit. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Little Gray Aliens. Believe it. Dogman. Bullshit. Parallel Universes. Believe it. Shapeshifters. Your face is doing it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Shapeshifters? Oh, man. Uh, Bullshit. Mermaids. Bullshit. Heaven. Believe it. Hell. Believe it. Dragons. Believe it. Yeti. Believe it. Elves. (laughs) Bullshit. ESP. Is that like the channel or like the <laughs> ESPN? <laughs> ESPN three. Believe it. <laughs> We're actually right after these messages from our sponsors. Um, ESP is, is psychic is, is powers. Extra sensory psychic, perception. Psychic powers. Um, uh, b- um, believe it. Chupacabra. I mean, I can't pronounce it, so bullshit. Demons. <laughs> believe it. Atlantis. Believe it. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. Believe it. Peace in the multiverse. Believe it. All right. Not nice. bad. Well like, done. pretty well. Well done. Yeah. I feel like mythological creatures, not so much. <sighs> yeah. Some of the more paranormal I feel stuff, like pretty much. Gnomes, elves, and fairies are just getting a bad rap yeah. from us. Americans. I should break them up. I, I yeah. th- well, I think what's, what's funny about all this, too, because after we just had this talk, it makes me think of like, it just makes me think of like science and like history and like um, what fossils we found and like how. The unicorn well, fossil. Because you could yeah, see it. the dragon <laughs> fossil. The dragon dinosaurs. <laughs> well, dinosaurs, yeah. Because it's like you know, you see something that's real, and then you can like, um, you know, interpret it. But then they've shown us like that. There's that one lizard that is the closest to looking like a dinosaur, and they've shown photos of it, and it straight up looks like a small dinosaur. And you're like, what the? And they're like, oh, it's just this. And you're like, well, some dude like. That's real. Could have seen that. So could have seen that, blown it up or whatever. But like, I also, I also feel like sometimes I wonder if uh, dinosaurs, some dinosaurs lived into the Middle Ages and then knights fought dinosaurs and called them dragons. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a- <laughs> yeah, that, that, that didn't happen. No, no, <laughs> I, didn't, I like to think that it did. Birds are still around. Cool. Those are those are the yeah. Closest, birds are dinosaurs. Relatives but that, but that's but that's the thing about like like time and like uh, evolution and um. Uh, sorry, I'm big into like these motivational dudes. So like Jim Quick talks about how there was a moment, uh, there was a, a moment where a time, period of time where people thought you could not run the mile in less than five five minutes. Roger Bannister, the four minute mile. If you did it in five less than five minutes, your heart would explode. So for a very oh, long time, holy shit! It's like a it's like a jogger's version of speed. <laughs> but like but like that belief was so ingrained in us. And then there was a dude who thought, well, what? I'm going to do it in in 4 minutes and 3 fifth. minutes 59 seconds. Oh, so it's a 4 minute mile. Yeah, four minute and then, mile. so and then but then um Jim says uh Jim Quick says something like uh, I might be misquoting, but they uh someone he was recalling the story and someone asked him how did you do that? And then and then the, what's his name? The guy who did it? Roger Bannister. Roger Bannister. Um Roger said I, when I would jog, I would and when I was jogging, I just imagined that by the time I by the time I hit the finish line, 
it wouldn't be four minutes. It'd just be shy by like mm. two seconds. So he used his brain and he was telling his body like, I'm going to do this. And he didn't, I'm sure it didn't happen overnight, but like, that's how we evolve. Like we well, get yeah. better, we get stronger. Like, you know, we, we figure shit out. The incredible like, the, thing about that story is once he did it, like it, then it just became a normal thing. People started breaking the four minute mile all the time. So yeah, which is why like, you know, naysayers, fuck them you know because that's other thing too is that like we're our own worst critic and that's why it's 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 for me it's like really thrilling to be around creative people um like especially writers because i think it's because for me it's so daunting to be on an empty stage and someone say dance for me or or like dance for me <laughs> yeah, that happens to me you know, all the time <laughs> you know dance like, for me Riley. Or, <laughs> well, well it's like you know you tell a writer like create a universe universe for me what it's like oh well create a two-person scene for me or for a singer you know it's, you know when people put you on the spot like oh you're a singer sing something and then you're blank yeah I never to me it's it. that same thing so it's like yeah. but but writers like you start off with a blank page and like now you have like four seasons of a, you don't have four seasons of something but but, <laughs> but you create yeah, well, you no. create a story you create these characters you create a world and i think that's magical to the, the ability to, to create other worlds but it's like if you turn it on yourself you you can like create whatever you want for yourself mm-hmm. man when we come back it's time for this week's story of high strangeness Ooh. Get ready. Get ready, y'all. You're about to shit your pants. <laughs> oh, no. Let me change my underwear. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's sponsored. I'm not wearing underwear. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, no. All right. It's time for this week's story of high strangeness. And this is one that I discovered uh, when we were rehearsing for... This Friday's finale of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's really us singing. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend live in concert special. I was flipping through Twitter on a five-minute break, and I'd seen Greg Newkirk had retweeted a photo of this entity and called him, uh, someone had called him the Napoleon Dynamite of aliens, which is what? fascinating. Oh, that's, 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 <laughs> yeah, not my, not my words. It was founded <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, but I had to immediately, there was no, no, uh, there was only, there was a drawing of this alien mm-hmm. and there was a signature next to it that said Carl Higdon. And so I Googled that and I discovered one of the greatest stories of high strangeness I think we have ever covered or covered thus far on the show. This is the story of Oso One. Hmm. Now, the story of Oso One is really the story of Carl Higdon. On October 25th, 1975, Carl was a 41-year-old oil drilling foreman living in the rural town of Rollins, Wyoming. So you want to picture this area. I, I'm picturing this sort of like time and setting of Brokeback Mountain. Uh-huh. It's that super big country. God's country. Old God's country. Yeah, yeah. Small town. Yeah. Oil drillers, cowmen, mm-hmm. like woodsmen. Like nature. Uh, totally. This, this role could have totally been played by um, Heath Ledger, 100%. You know, and in the 1970s, in the mid 70s, a recession had hit, and Carl was a father, husband, and father of, I believe, seven kids. And he was working very hard to put food on the table. And oftentimes, one of the ways he would do that is the way many woodsmen do is go out and hunt. Mm-hmm. 
So Carl was supposed uh, supposed to report to work that day, but when one of his best employees and site leaders called in sick, he decided they should take they should all take the day off because uh, what he wanted to get done wasn't going to happen. So instead, Carl Higdon got in his truck and he headed out to hunt for elk in his favorite hunting grounds in McCarthy Canyon. Now, on his way there, he pulled over to help a couple stranded motorists and help them fix their truck. This is the kind of guy who Carl was, very level, old school, steady hand, like old Paul Newman type, really. And uh, he helped the guys fix his truck, and the two men were also hunters. And when they heard that Carl was on his way to shoot elk, the motorist told him to go ahead in 40 miles south of Rollins instead deep into the forests of Medicine Bow National Park because they had just come from there and that's where all the elk were grazing. So Carl thanked the men. He got back in his truck and he headed to the location where the men said the elk were located. Stepping softly through the freshly fallen snow, Carl cradled his rifle through the woods when something moved out of the corner of his eye. Out into the clearing walked a herd of five elk. Carl raised his rifle to take a shot at one of the large bucks, or bulls I believe they're called, and he fired. But the rifle made no sound. In fact, all the sounds of the forest seemed to fall silent, and time slowed down as Carl watched in awe as the bullet slowly emerged from the gun and rippled through what he would later describe as invisible jello. Mm. The bullet traveled in slow motion for about 50 feet and then fluttered to the ground like a dying butterfly. The woods, still eerily silent, surrounded Carl as he walked over to the bullet, picked it up from the ground, and discovered it was now a strange twisted misshapen piece of metal the casing looked like it had been turned inside out and the lead slug from the bullet casing had simply vanished carl described that moment in the woods it's one of those feelings when there's a uh, a thunderstorm is about to happen and the the air is full of eerie stillness and static electricity and as he's holding the casing he hears a twig snap behind him He turns around, pocketing the bullet casing in his jacket, and out from the trees steps a figure. There's a man, but one unlike Carl had ever seen. He was about six feet tall. Carl judged him to be around 180 pounds, dressed in a black bodysuit that Carl said was similar to uh, to, um, to wetsuits, Uh, worn by scuba divers. This figure had two bandolier-like straps crisscrossed across his chest and a black belt that was wrapped around his waist and the buckle was a bright yellow multi-pointed star. A lot lot like uh, Captain Marvel's insignia. This figure had small dark eyes with blonde bristly hair that stuck straight up like straw. His skin was jaundiced and he had no chin. He had a thin mouth where his head and neck met, exposing two rows of three large, square teeth. Two other things jumped out about this humanoid. <laughs> he had antenna protruding out of his forehead. That'll do it. And where his right hand should have been, 
the figure had a cone-shaped appendage. And in the drawings, uh, it appears to have no uh, left hand at all. Now I'm going to show you a picture of this entity, a drawing. Uh, if you can see here, I, I printed them out, but I left them at home. I'll show it to you in a sec, Riley. Oh, this, yeah. this figure stepped out. Uh-huh. This is a strange... Kind of looks like Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. Yeah. All of this will be up on our Instagram, so you can go look at these illustrations. Check it out, Riley. Yeah, that dude rules. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of looks like Drogon or Dargon from Insector or the Sectors. If you ever played with that action figure as a kid, nope. In the eighties, <laughs> I did. I was a weird. I was a weird kid who liked bug action figures. The being spoke to Carl in a friendly voice, saying simply. How are you doing? Carl, his mind stuttering, his body shaking, said, Fine, I guess. (laughs) The being asked him, Are you hungry? At which point, this entity produced a cellophane-like packet, which he then telepathically sent over, it hovered in the air, over to Carl. Please be tots. (laughs) <laughs> Tater tots. <laughs> Cinema. Cellophane, Riley. Oh, would tots. not be taught. And in the, in the packet were three pills. The being told him that one of these pills will keep you full for three days. Unsure as to why he did this, Carl opened the package and swallowed one of the pills. Bad idea. And then looked over and noticed that Near this strange figure was a tall, clear cube standing in the clearing. Carl remarked later that this cube looked like a large Christmas package. And the stranger asked, he said it was about five, I think about five feet tall, seven feet long, four feet wide. It's not huge, but I mean, big if it were a Christmas gift. The stranger asked, would you like to come with me? Carl simply Shrugged. Yes. Yeah, I'm not doing anything to like <laughs> So, yeah. The next thing Carl Hignan knew, he was sitting in a bucket seat in a row of similar seats inside of this glass box. But the interior of what was clearly now a craft was much larger on the inside than it appeared on the outside. And one of his theories, Carl later said that he thought that maybe he that they must have shrunk themselves down inside of this thing somehow mm-hmm. made their bodies smaller i tend to imagine that maybe there's some sort of dimensional rift inside this cube where once you walk in it's much larger inside uh some stories that you find online compared to the tardis the mm-hmm. the telephone booth in uh doctor who so carl looked over and he saw that not only he but all five elk were in the craft as well frozen still as if paused in time uh, contained in what he thought was some type of invisible field and there was another humanoid that appeared as like the first one they strapped Carl into his seat by his wrist and placed a helmet over his head Carl said that he felt like he was Frankenstein's monster the first being I just got a visual of like 
the five elk sitting up in the <laughs> doing the camera on that yeah. black eye. Oh, oh god! What the fuck? I can't move, dude. Help me! I mean, as our listeners know, I've been watching a lot of Twin Peaks, and this just reminds me of one of these episodes that Dale Cooper has, like in the Black Lodge oh, or something. Totally, it's yeah. this so otherworldly, other dimensional. Um, moment and the first being who called himself also one he pointed at a console where there were three dissimilar levers and he gestured at one with his drill bit like hand and the lever moved and suddenly the craft was lifting up into the air and carl said that he could see out of the glass cube and they hovered over his truck about 50 feet above his truck where his truck was parked and he watched his also one pointed at the truck and it simply vanished and the next thing Carl was aware of is that the craft was floating in deep space hovering over a giant shape he described that resembled a basketball (laughs) now this is important he's described a box as being a large Christmas package and now he's describing what he realized was a planet this giant sphere is looking like a basketball. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a man who has, I would say, a super vivid imagination. He's bringing up basic sort of yep. shapes. Yeah. He's not a dumb guy at all. Right. But he's not, if we're, this is just important to think about. The metaphors he's using are very simple. Yeah. It's a Christmas box. It's a basketball. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important when we think about whether or not this guy makes up this story. As, uh so they're floating over this planet, and uh, but it's not one that Carl has ever been to. Uh, he said the craft descended upon this strange world, which also claimed was his home planet, located 163,000 light miles from Earth, not light years. And Carl would later say, that made me think that they're... Uh, relation to time and space is maybe differently is maybe different than ours the ship approached a landing pad at the base of a giant luminous towers uh that uh was beaming with mul- giant multicolored lights and he described this thing and there were other towers off in the distance he said they kind of all looked like the space needle and they had these bright lights that were so blinding for him to look at that he had to close his eyes and after a while he was begging them to do something about the bright light because it was hurting his eyes and also one said almost jokingly it was like yeah well you're so burns us too hurts us too which he thought was like a really weird weird thing right. to say <laughs> so the craft lands turn and, down your son yeah first. why don't you <laughs> and through the transparent walls of the cube carl was stunned to see that four other humans dressed in everyday clothing were standing out on the platform including what looked to be a blonde 11 year old girl and carl noticed that none of them seemed to be alarmed or in distress it was almost like you get the impression that they were there already weird so also one and um the other entity take Carl out of the ship and they lead him across the platform and they put him on this like pedestal thing. And as he was standing there, he said that, and he, oh, and he noticed that when they moved, that also, and the other entity seemed to just hover, glide across the ground and not really walk. So this 
translucent shield comes out of a wall and Carl's just staring at this thing and it seems to scan his body for upwards of like five minutes and he knows it's some sort of he just instinctively is like this is some sort of mechanical scanner and once the procedure is done also one turned to Carl and told him that the 41 year old oil man did not suit their purpose and that he would be returned. Mm. So Carl was taken back into the cube, and the last thing that he noticed before... Oh, two things happened. First, when they're back in the cube, also picked up his rifle and talked about how a, what such a primitive weapon it was. Mm. And he said, I would like to keep this weapon, but I wouldn't be allowed to keep this. And then he showed him his cone hand. Yeah, no, this. yeah this really gets... <laughs> and the, other, the last thing that Carl really registered before he blacks out is that all five elk are gone. They've right. been removed from the craft. That's good. So, Carl wakes up back in the woods. Two and a half hours have passed. He's standing at the edge of a rocky ravine, and as he comes to, he loses his balance, and he stumbles down a nine-foot ravine, hitting his shoulder and his head. Mm. And it's cold out. He is completely disoriented. He is uh, amnesiatic. He can't remember who he is, where he is, what he's doing in the woods. And he just starts walking down a dirt road, uh, for hours, for miles, and finally stumbles upon his truck, which he says at the time he didn't even realize was his own truck. He just saw that there was a CB radio in it. Now, the truck is banked in this muddy bog in the middle of the woods. Different location. Completely different location, yeah. off the road, and later when the sheriff's men came out because obviously he's eventually rescued, they are like, how the fuck did this guy drive his truck? Mm-hmm. In? There was no roads into the... Right. They, 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 it, was, it was like, it was impenetrable. It was, they said it was as if it was dropped out of the sky. Dude. Jesus, dude. So Carl gets in, and on the CB radio, he starts making calls. And he finally gets a hold of somebody, uh, and I think the sheriff's station or somebody, another truck driver. But what he didn't know, the help was already on the way because back home, his wife Marjorie, it's 8 o'clock now, it's gotten dark. Uh She's scared that Carl has not come home. Yeah. She calls the sheriff. Remember, it's a small town. Everybody kind of knows each other. Yeah, of course. And she calls the sheriff. She says, Carl's not home yet. I'm worried. Can you send out? Can We We need to go out and look for him. So the sheriff agrees to get a small posse together. Marjorie brings a friend. And they're driving out. And remember, they think that he's gone to go hunting in, McLaren, in uh, McCarthy right. Canyon. Right, right. They don't know that he's he in went. this Medicine Bow National Park. So he's yeah. in a completely different location totally. where he usually hunts. And... It's not, and so they're searching for him. And as they're driving around, Marjorie and her friends see the light fill with strange lights in the sky. And at one point, they say it's as if the sun's coming up. And they're like, "Well, wait, it's after. It's not even midnight yet. Why would the sun be coming up?" And these strange lights in the sky were corroborated later by two other citizens of Rollins who said their names are Don and Marilyn James, who witnessed unusual lights emanating in the skies over Medicine Bow Forest during the same time Marjorie and the sheriff's posse were looking for Carl. So finally, through the CB radio, 
they find out where Carl is. They locate his truck. Everyone is like, how the fuck did he get here? Carl is freaked out. He doesn't know who anybody is. He doesn't know who his wife is. And they get, they coax him out of the truck. And uh, he, his wife says that when they were on their way and they were taking him to uh, Carbon County Medical Hospital in Rollins, he kept saying in a sing-songy voice, they took my elk. They took my elk. Mm. And he acted as if all the lights in the truck both terrified him and bothered his eyes. So this guy's in the hospital for two to three days, and the amnesia's persisting. His blood tests, however, showed... he they're, they're like, he's clearly suffering from exhaustion. Something has happened to him. His blood tests come back, and he is his blood is mineral and vitamin-rich. And Carl showed no signs of being hungry for almost three days. He didn't have an appetite. He didn't want to eat. Oh, my God, dude. Perhaps the result of the the strange pill that Carl had taken at the beginning of the encounter with Asa One. Now, you might ask where those other two pills. On his way Uh back to the craft, he claims that Asa took the pills back. So, conveniently, we don't have those other two pills. But... The other strange thing that happens is in his personal doctor x-rays him. And Carl had tuberculosis in the 1940s and had scars on his lungs. I'm not right. Oh, dude. Scars are gone. And oh the kidney stones that his doctor had currently been treating Carl for also gone from his body. They're looking at this guy and one of the one of the doctors was like, this guy's fit for service. He's so healthy. He's like a young soldier. His internal... They said other than his eyes being bloodshot and his shoulder having some cuts and bruises right. and his head having some from cuts from where he fell. After all this. Yeah, and is, from seeming know. to suffer, like the amnesia and mental exhaustion, his body was in perfect health. Mm. Healthier than it had been before this encounter. Carl didn't regain his memory until his daughter came to the hospital, a detail that Carl's wife Marjorie would later say almost seemed to be by design. Once he saw his daughter, he it all started coming back, who he was, who his family was, and memories of this encounter with Oslo <sighs> One start to trickle in, and he starts telling his wife and his family and the sheriff and the doctors what happened to him. He can't remember. Some of the details are hazy, but... Um, Carl's story immediately leaked from the hospital and found its way to the press, and he became kind of this overnight overnight tabloid sensation. Scared that he had lost his mind, Carl underwent analysis, treatment, lie detector tests. Every doctor agreed that Carl was not only not insane, he seemed to be telling the truth, or at the very least, he was telling the truth as he saw it. Marjorie never doubted him. He underwent regression uh, with a good, doctor good. named Dr. Leo Sprinkle, who's the best name ever. <laughs> Dr. The, Sprinkle. He was the head of uh, psychology at the University of Wyoming. And they did a number of sessions together, some of which you can actually see in an episode of In Search Of, hosted by Leonard Nimoy, mm-hmm. which I will link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And it was through these sessions that he started to really encounter all the minute details of, of uh, his trip with Also One. And Carl had come to the conclusion that Osso and his race of strange entities came to Earth to hunt for food, game, fish. And Osso one had told him during the during the adventure that, in fact, fish 
uh, was an animal that did not exist on their homeworld, and it was one of their most favorite foods. We love fish. We love trout. We love the salmon. <laughs> yeah, and his his thoughts was that were that their resources on their planet had been used up and there mm. had been pollution and so they came to Earth <clears throat> to get stuff that they needed. Wait, but what about the magic food pills? Dude? Well, they have those as well, but you know, but not everyone wants, fish. Not everyone wants to live. Yeah, yeah, it's a supplement. Not everybody yeah. wants to live on pills. Yeah. Right. They're living wow. on the pills when they're not... not uh, listen, there's a reason why this is called high strangeness. All right, all right. <laughs> And perhaps it was because Carl had such a solid reputation as a foreman and woodsman. Um, most professionals found it very hard not to believe what Carl was telling them was true, as crazy as it sounded. So what had also one wanted with Carl? Well, after undergoing regression sessions with Dr. Sprinkle, Carl decided... <laughs> Carl can't help it. Carl decided that the aliens were involved in some type of breeding program. Mm -hmm. Carl mm. had undergone a vasectomy a couple years before this incident, and therefore... The second pill is to forget we <laughs> rape you. <laughs> <laughs> For, yeah. And therefore, he would not have physically met the requirements of their mission and their needs. Yeah. Now, there's probably there's two loose ends to this thing. <laughs> One, That's all. <laughs> one, well, one is the truck. Uh, they finally the 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 cops got the truck out of um, the bog by r r making this weird uh, system of like a ramp and 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 cranes by just rolling logs out into the woods and finally getting it up and getting it out of the woods because mm. they couldn't they couldn't even drive their trucks in to hitch this thing out of there. Strange. So they had to come up with this like weird makeshift. Uh, way of getting the truck out of the woods. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they were cutting down trees and doing stuff. And then the other thing was the bullet. Carl still had the bullet. Yeah, what? And uh, there's a photo of the bullet right here. Show me, dude. He had this examined by experts, and um, yeah. There's a great article about this whole story on Mysterious Universe, which I will link. Uh, but he had military experts. He had... Um, That's wild. He That's... had gun... He had uh, artillery experts look at this thing and go, uh, we've never seen a bullet casing look like this at all. You know, some of them said that it must have hit something very, very, mm. very hard uh, But uh, to, to, to do this. But we can't imagine... <laughs> What it would be, and and one of the things is they were like, if we had the slug, it would be great to see where the lead slug and examine that. But that, that it, it yeah. was gone. But they were like, it literally looked like the casing had turned inside, inside out. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And they're too. always asking for physical evidence. Yeah. Like there like you if, you, if you had pliers. That like you'd see the marks of where it was grabbed and manipulated. Yeah, it was like this total. It was almost like it folded in upon itself. This Jesus. is the purpose of our cone hands. Well, and the other thing, there's a couple Super sick bullet catchers. There, there's a couple things that I love about this story that there's you know, a lot of things. I well, love great, about but the first thing love is this 1974 yeah. when he describes that bullet going through invisible jello. Mm -hmm. That is straight up the special effect from Bullet Time in the Matrix, which was made in 1999. Yeah, yeah. Didn't and it, it, it and it's like he's describing Bullet Time. Yeah. It made me think the Wachowskis must have read this story it's very possible. And, and it must have inspired them for this. The other thing is the idea of aliens coming to Earth to hunt game. It predates the Predator. Predator. And so I'm like, they must have read 
th- this I mean, this Only must have been an influence. wasn't interested in fish. No, that's true. He yeah. made it much scarier. But neither, mm-hmm. I mean, also one and his friends weren't either. Right. You know, there's this great interview that I found on a podcast called The Supernatural Girls, where they interview, uh, it's these two women who interview Carl and Marjorie, and Carl's still oh, alive. Wow, he's old. It. Oh, really? Wow. And he's older now, and he, and he gets kind of choked up when he talks about this story. But yeah. they're they're a really kind of cool couple. It sounds like your great uncle or your grandfather telling. He's like, well, I guess they just you know <laughs> they didn't uncle have Carl, much use for me. Tell them about me. the elk and the space cube. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> uncle Carl, right. the big Should Christmas gift. But <laughs> talk about the pill. Oh, I, the pill matrix. The pill. <laughs> I have to say, this kind of the way they talk about it, you believe them. Yeah, and it is it's t- it's one of these fascinating cases where. It it takes it combines some of the most credible down to earth people, some solid physical evidence that perplexed the community, that perplexed people who took a look at it that never came up with any solid answers. Mm-hmm. I try to find uh, stories that really debunk this. There's not really much out there. You know, you're always going to have naysayers, but. Um, even Carl himself, he's like, well, t- people tend to think I'm crazy, but then I've had people interview me, and they walk away believing my story. Yeah. And and then it's coupled because he's not alone. It's in, well, but it's also the then coupled. It's also coupled with some of the weirdest high strangeness stuff we've ever ever covered on the show. It's it, that's the story of of also one. I, I love it. Well Dude, done. Had you ever heard this that's story? Amazing. It was mentioned in the book. That I'm reading now, Trojan Feast, food offerings of aliens, fairies, and Sasquatch, because there's a whole section on pills, and oftentimes entities are given pills, and you know what happens next? That's when they go, they take them to outer space, and just like you said, these things satiate their abductees for around three to four days, so that would explain him not being hungry or, you know... Well, yeah, because if you're going to take someone back... They they're 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 gonna get hungry and you have to feed them. Yeah, well, that's what this author you know, his name want, is Joshua yuck. Crutch, and that's what he believed that this was sort of this sort of prepared your body for deep space travel or or inner space travel. Well, and they say time um, and time again in old fairy folklore, mm. they say if you're taken by the fairy folk or the yeah. little people, you are often invited into a hall yeah. where there's a feast and the fairies will offer you food. And they used to say in the old Celtic folklore, "Do not don't eat the food. Don't eat. Food. Don't eat the food <laughs> of the fairies, because if you do, you will not come back." Right. And so that that kind of falls in line with what you're saying as well. It's fascinating. Mar- Marjorie and Carl wow. joked that like yeah. it's a good thing he had that vasectomy, otherwise he might have never come home. Let me tell you. Something. And and Dude. Bryce, I know you're big on the four one one stuff. I was just this was to say this, this is- reeks of all the parallels. <laughs> That I'm hearing about in these accounts of the missing 411 stuff. For instance, um, people vanishing in forests. National Park, too. This is like a national forest. The ones that they find are usually found like in strange places, miles and miles and miles away where they were taken and dropped. It looks like they're just dropped in some like unforeseen area that, that even like the best hikers and the best climbers couldn't get to. Um, not only that, the ones that they do find, luckily enough, um, the ones that are able to be found, they have mm-hmm. an amne- am- amnesiatic recall of the events. In other Jesus. words, they don't recall what happened to them. They don't want to recall what happened to them, or they have a strange feeling about 
what happened to them. Not only that, sometimes, you know, their clothes are turned inside out, like the bullet casing, strange. There's so many, and and so Mm. this isn't just something that just took place in 1975. These vanishings are happening in present day across the United States, Canada, and other places in the world. So, and it just like, I don't know. I'm starting to come up with like, are these these really like, you know, is it, can I take it at face value now that this guy also one is from another planet who just wanted to like take him out to deep space and, and perhaps start a breeding program or is this, or I I just, this to me feels very interdimensional. Very interdimensional. I feel like they were in another dimension, some kind of interdimension. No doubt about it. Where high strangeness rules the day. It's like going, it's almost as if Vinny, you, we could physically enter the dream world in like through a physical doorway. And then the place where we, this is, I'm just, just an allegory, but like as if, the place where we go when we dream is an actual physical dimension, almost, and that the that someone like Also One is taking people into that realm, you know, yeah. and it may look like space, and it may look like a planet, and it may very well be another planet, but it just the cube, the elk being frozen well, in time, yeah, all the, this the stuff elk being frozen in time. It's like things come with you, like subjective parts of your of your hidden psyche. Like for instance, those elk coming with him and riding in the spaceship that's what's the purpose behind that you know what i mean that's like it's just a well he thought it was they were gonna eat him right he thought they were gonna eat the elk but they don't need to fucking eat elk you know what i mean (laughs) let alone five (laughs) i just let in my in my mind you tell that i had to like the yeah, yeah, like, seats and, like, like fucking race car seats, just like with the black eye. Well, and it's also this strange. It also has this strange. <laughs> I also can't help but point out, just because you know we've covered him as well, that like the flying elk feel like flying reindeer. It's got this weird like magical yeah, Santa dude. kind of this element not, to it. Vinny, we like to ask our guests, and I know we're running long. No, I sure. apologize. That's all good. What the hell was that? What what what's your takeaway what do you from this? this? I mean, I mean, what you guys are describing to me where my mental capacity is currently at i'll phrase it in that way um and since this is this is the subject this is the deal this is the this is the discussion and for those who are listening you're listening because you 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 find this interesting and if you're listening to this just to kibosh it then like what are you doing with your time bro do something else no no Um, keep listening but like but like you bring up a good point mcmills like like because uh, the folklore, when you know, the fairies don't eat the food, folklore. You're talking about, um, you know, so some of these ideas happen before the Matrix, and some of them are very, um, are, are very par- are direct parallels. Even the taking pills, the pill is in the, the Matrix, but but that's the idea. It's like. You know, Bryce, like how how old are these stories, yes. dude? And, yeah, dude. You know, and 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 um now and you're it's still, getting it, Vinny. And it's happening. But <laughs> the idea like it's still happening and like it doesn't I mean this it doesn't sound as far fetched because when you're telling me the story as as an awe and creepy and, and well done on, on the sound, oh, Riley, it's awesome. Um <laughs> it's fair. it feels my logical brain wants to say there is a like when you study something, when you go to a site and you take up fossils, you study them, you don't ruin them, you take care of them. When you're going to hunt, you shoot to kill and you eat, you mm-hmm. know, so you're you're describing that you're, you're taking on the traits in a way of the thing that you're 
after in a sense is that what, what, you, what, you're, what you're describing to me is that, that guy was an ex- that also one was an explorer and he was there he he has certain protocol and how he does this right and he you know has an ability to communicate with us so so obviously if our technology is in fear which we kind of know like is it not it's not a secret that we're like the technology we have is is there's we're actually ahead we're just not being yeah we're given it's it it. constantly in evolution in, in it's evolution. where we are where we're at now it's yeah. better than it was a hundred years ago right but and, 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 it's, and it's it's still moving forward so it's like all these things that as are we uh, yeah exactly so it is is it really is it really that far fetched and that's what's kind of cool about it is because um and then you talk about um the allegory of like our dreams and is that is that the place and uh jim quick talks about how one of the first things he does in the morning he talks about the billionaire you know morning routine is he (laughs) writes he writes down his his dreams because that's where he gets his ideas but if you think of that for, for a second where do your ideas come from you know um when we have uh now I'm going to go even further back and I'm going like back into spiritualism for a second. So when you, when you, when you think of an idea, like if you're five years old and, and this is, they use this tool in, in movies and, and TV and storytelling all the time, the young kid draws something and then you as the adult go, where did you learn that? Mm-hmm. And they go, well, I saw it from here. I saw it from here. I saw it from here. And then it's the shadow man that lives under my bed. Exactly. <laughs> so, but so, so, but, but these, where did these ideas, like, sir, sure, if it's the shadow man, where did the kid get that idea from? Their imagination? Where did that come from? So, so I have this image. <laughs> it's, and it's very simplistic because it's how it was taught to me. And it's something that I can see and that it's just an idea or a way of thinking about things. But imagine, for instance, there are no new ideas and there are only recycled ideas and all your ideas are in a big invisible bowl in above your head. And every once in a while you reach up and you don't know what you're going to grab and you grab one and you look at it. Um, but what if it's that bowl is actually stuff that's programmed or it's a, or it's a memory messages yeah. from you know? another dimension or, 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 yeah, or like there's another dimension that you're already what? living in. How, where are they coming from yeah. you guys? Like where does, where do these thoughts come from? Where does imagination all comes come back from? to the idea, the occult yeah. idea of magic of like willing something that is unmanifested well, Ed, into the manifest. Edgar Casey talked about this. He called it the Akashic field and everything that ever took place, everything that was taking place and everything that was going to take place is already taken place it's Mm -hmm. in the present moment you know time is a man-made construct and so he would just pull from the akashic record you know uh whatever people wanted to know about their future or what if you wanted to learn something about the past and he would pull from that just like you were saying it's like a a collective unconscious that that exists and everybody has access to it right and you really just need to uh be able to tap into that source you know well that well and then and then back to like what the bleep where 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 joe dispenza um kind of what was known for i remember something that really resonated with me and and now it's i think more um prevalent because of our technology advancement since that uh documentary um bluetooth right air dropping yeah through space how, how yeah. no we accept it i know i know this sounds very rudimentary like whatever like it's radio waves whatever but dude i mean so what's the difference between that and like i was thinking about someone and they called me 
I you know, mean, there's a pretty big difference. <laughs> no, but but, but 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 there might be there might but there might be an invisible field that connects us that we haven't discovered yet that allows interaction on that level as well. Yeah. Right, it's a but, good example of there 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 are, there are systems working fields. all around us all the time that we can't X-rays, infrared, right. Bluetooth, you know, wireless. We can point to that, and I think on an on another level too. I always think about how like really. Texting is like not too many steps far off from telepathic communication. It's nonverbal communication that instantly is transcribed from one person to another over great distances. Now, it's not being done by the mind, but it's all internalized by the mind as well. It's all sent. I have a thought. I'm not talking out loud into this thing. I'm just texting. I have to use my body to do it. But I'm sending a thought to you, and you're receiving it in instant time and sending it back to me. It's not that far off from being able to sit across a great distance and telepathically communicate. It's the beginning of fusing your mind with a machine. It's like a step towards the singularity. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, I love Absolutely. the idea of radio waves because that, that, that's what I was that's what I was going to get at. Was like they're talking about like frequency. Like when you turn a dial and like it's uh um uh you know one hundred six point one KML. I listened to that as a kid. Anyone who's tuned to that dial can hear those people. So I remember in what the bleep, what I thought was cool and, and, and the point I was trying to make, but that still seems kind of far fetched and like unbelievable is like, if we're tuned into the same frequency, we can communicate on that frequency. And, and I think, and, and so what frequency, whatever you want to call it. And, and sometimes when you meet, and I, I, I kind of, I also kind of lump this into the same category of when you meet someone and you've never met them before, but why do you feel like you know them already? Or you immediately have love something. Love at first sight. Yeah. Well, there's like love at first sight. There's, um, were we brothers? Like I have a very, I have a very, I have a, uh, a best friend. And I remember when we met and he's very spiritual too. We, we had, we've had this discussion many times and we feel like it's as if we've already been, we're family and that we've already met but now we're meeting again and now it's a whole nother thing. And it's, we haven't really broken it down or explained it, but it's like, and I, I didn't, I never, I've never had a brother. I've, I've three older sisters. So, um, and we, and when we do communicate, there's a level of knowing that seems odd for someone I've only known for so long. And I've only talked to so many times. He's not Wikipediaing me, studying things and you know, all the information about me. I'm not studying all this information about him, but when we, when we're in the same room or when we, when we, when we're around each other, there's something so familiar and like, I can't explain that, but that's kind of where I lump it into. There's, there's well, this that's, that's world. how we felt when we met Riley and we that's started right. this podcast. Yeah, Vinny, right. thank you so much, man. You've been such a great guest. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, man. Oh, man. Thank awesome. you. And uh, when you are a rich billionaire superhero, I hope you'll let me come over and swim in your pool sometime. <laughs> Dude, you have an open invitation, Thank bro. you very much. Where can people find you? You can find me on um, on Instagram at V Rodriguez III. I believe I am the same. Um, at my Twitter handle is the same v rodriguez iii on um, my website is www.vrodriguezii.com it is not up to date so sorry about that <laughs> um and uh i'm on facebook i got a fan page over there and um i'm currently filming season two of insatiable and right. whenever that comes out y'all should check it out because it is gonna be a doozy that's all i'm gonna say awesome Sweet. great we all look forward to awesome. it okay guys uh this wraps up another episode of bigfoot collectors club uh we want to thank all of our listeners if you 
you want more of the show, you can hop over to our Patreon page, The Other Side. Uh, Until next week, we remain... Confused, <laughs> terrestrial, all of the above. I like throwing a ball in the air and seeing if anyone will catch it. I guess oh, it's sure. all hanging on I'm your every word. We're gonna find a good yeah. catchphrase yeah, exactly. one day. One day. Exactly. Until one day. that day arrives, we'll see you soon. Peace. Peace. In a glass box, yeah. the five <laughs> elk. Uh, Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Wow. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.